What's going on, everybody? Happy Saturday, whatever day it is you're watching this. Uh, we're back with part two of our uh, Financially Free at 33 series. So uh, today we're going to be talking about, uh, actually, we're going to be answering questions from the previous video that I did yesterday on how we became financially free at 33. And so if you haven't watched the video, go back, watch that one first. Uh, so we see have a good understanding of where we're at. Uh, or if you just want to know all the questions that people asked about uh, how you became financially free, all the stuff um, that we're gonna film details, that's what we're gonna do today. And I brought on my lovely wife, Katie here, who's actually the real mastermind behind this whole journey to us becoming financially free. And so she actually is going to ask the questions and I'm gonna provide some answers uh, about how we did it. And honestly, most importantly, how you can do it. And so that's what you're here for is that, you know, it's cool that we did it, but we're gonna let the blueprint for you so you actually can become financially free because honestly, like, more attention you can get back on what you want in your life, you can take away from finances. You can talk about you can take away from you just worrying about just trying to get by and just like make a living and live paycheck. The more you actually focus on like growth and like like this opportunity for uh, to live life and not just not just exist, but actually live. And that's what this is all about. So uh, that's what we're gonna do today. So let's dive in. Okay, Katie, take it over. Some questions here. Awesome. So question number one. Um... You didn't just wake up like one day four years ago wanting to be financially free. Tell me a little bit about the process um, behind making the decision that financial freedom was for you. Great question. So, um, yeah, so I think I, and I, and I shared the story with Katie and, and our daughters about when I was probably right at the end of high school and college that I had this like this deep inner desire to be a millionaire. Right. So 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 financial freedom was on the on the right or what? Millionaire, and my whole like idea was I was to be a millionaire by thirty years old, and I just had this innate desire to like, okay, that's what I wanted to do. I, I grew up in a family that was middle class. My dad was in the air force, my mom was a dental hygienist, and so we didn't come for money. I came from a family who they they fought a lot about money and they ended up getting divorced, separated. And I, you know, I think that I actually believe that one of the biggest reasons was that was because of money. And so I was like, okay, this is not going to be something that's going to affect me and my relationship with my with my wife or my kids or anybody in my life for that matter. And so I just had the strong desire to become financially free um, and to like make sure that money was never an issue. Because uh, I, I realized that it didn't have to be, but people just made it into a bigger deal than it needed to be. And so that's where it all, that's where it all stemmed from as a child. And I'll be honest with you, for like my first, you know, from like when I realized this, probably at like 16, 17 years old, uh, I didn't actually take any real action on it until I was probably 25, 26, 27. So almost 10 years later. But inherently, that's when I made the decision. But it took me a long time to actually like take any real action on it. So hopefully that answers your question. Yeah. So great. So going off of that, basically 25, 26, 27 years old. Um, in the previous video, you talked about making a plan. Mm -hmm. So in the previous video, you know, you said that you gave an example with $500 of cash flow per property. So with 20 homes, you would have reached financial freedom. Like 20 homes seems like an insane amount and it seems overwhelming to even start. Um, like what was, what was the first tactical thing that you did in order to become financially free? Yeah. So I think it's understanding what vehicle you want to use. And so for me, uh, I read a book called Rich Dad Poor Dad, which if you haven't read that is like, it was one of the fundamental books that changed my perception on what, what actual freedom was. Because for a long time, I thought that accumulation of money, like having money in the bank, you know, having a whole bunch of money in the stock market was the way to financial freedom. Where I had this nest egg and you lived off the interest, that's what everybody tells you. And that's what I just thought it was, right? And I, I started doing that. I'm like, man, this doesn't seem like this is seems like gonna take forever. Like I had to wait till I was 60 years old to become financially free. I was like, <laughs> it's a long time. I wasn't willing to wait that long. Um, and so then I read Rich Dad Poor Dad and he basically talked about how you can use real estate and the cash of real estate to become financially free and to basically pay your bills without you having to work. And I was like, that sounds cool. I want to do that. And uh, so it was just a thought at first. And so that I read that book in 2000. So we started about, we bought our first house in 2017. I bought, I read that book in like 2014, I think it was. So like it took me three years uh, to, to read that book. I went, I, I like, I went deep on, on Kiyosaki, learned a lot about real estate, listened to a bunch of podcasts. And it wasn't, again, it wasn't until three years later, we actually, 
bought our first property together. And that was just a straight rental, or excuse me, a straight um, house that we lived in. And then it wasn't for two more years later, we actually bought our first investment property. So it was like five years after I realized I wanted to do it that actually like it happened. But the reason why it took so long is because I actually didn't have a real concrete plan on how to do it. I was just, um, I was just kind of floating through it. I kind of knew what I wanted, so I was like kind of like going that direction. But uh, I would have done a lot faster if I would have known that hey, I actually want to buy real estate and I need to buy for five hundred dollars a month or whatever it may be. I'm just using that number. So yeah. Uh, my plan was not as organized as I would recommend for somebody else to have. Okay, that's great. Organization. Um, you've had a taste of that nest egg that you talked about, wanting mm -hmm. to become a millionaire, um, having some money in the bank. Tell me what the difference between the feeling um, in your gut was between the massive amount of money in the bank versus the active cash flow coming in every month. Yeah, that's a good question. So the first time, I guess, I guess we'll be transparent here. So the first time that we had $100,000 in the bank, we thought it like, we were like, like we celebrated, right? It was a like, cool, we gave each other high five, I sent her a screenshot. It was, uh, it was cool, like it was, it was really fun um, to accomplish that. But then shortly after, a couple of days, maybe a week later, all of a sudden it got really scary. Cause like, we have all this money, what do we do with it? <laughs> you know, like we thought we were gonna feel secure. We thought we were gonna feel safe, like, okay, like we're good. But it seemed like it got even, we felt like we were even more, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Like, what's the word I'm looking for? Like trapped, like we were almost trapped. Now it's like, what do we do with the money, right? So now, now we're afraid of losing it. Like, what if we lose it? You know, all of a sudden, like, like you don't fear something you don't have, and all of a sudden you have it, then you fear it. Um, and so quickly, I realized that this accumulation mindset was like, it makes you go crazy, it makes you think crazy thoughts. Um, and so it was, it was really easy for us to make this transition to like taking that that money, that that nest egg, and putting it into something that actually gave us an, an income every single month. And uh, COVID was a great example of that, and just being able to like not really get too stressed about it because we already had some income coming in from our real estate during COVID where everything like all, all businesses shut down except for except for what except for like housing right um like you always got a place to 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 rest your head at night and so that's where I really started to realize the real power of cash flow over having a nest egg and all day long give me cash flow over money in the bank 100 percent awesome so your it took you three years from the time that you read Richard Bordad to your first actual purchase mm -hmm. um did you give yourself a timeline or like a goal when you said you want to be financially free by X? Like obviously you said you want to be a millionaire by 30, but yeah. once you got your first um, primary home under your belt, what was the next, what was the next like goal that you had set? Did you give yourself a timeline? No, I didn't. Um, you know, at that point I was just trying to learn the game. I was trying to understand how real estate worked. And I find for me personally, the best way for me to learn something is by doing. And the only way I was going to learn is by doing, obviously I, I read all the books, read all the podcasts. I, I got mentors, but the only way that I, I truly believe that you actually learn is by doing. And so it wasn't actually until we actually bought our first investment property that I was like, oh, now I understand. Here's how it works. And then boom, then we start going. Now all of a sudden, once I understand how it worked, then it was really easy for me to say, okay, now if we do this 20 more times, 10 more times, 15 more times, then we could create enough cash flow that we don't ever have to work ever again if we don't want to. So. That's great. What's one piece of advice you would give somebody who is not, actively investing in real estate in terms of wanting to actively invest in real estate? What's one piece of advice you'd give them? One piece of advice, man. I'll say it, it really comes down to, I'm gonna give two pieces. I'm gonna over deliver here, because I think they go together. I think number one is you gotta understand, right? So it's just like, it's like until you understand how a game works, you don't you won't really go 100%. You, you won't know how to create a plan. You won't know what are the steps to take until you understand. So I think the easiest way, the freest way, the thing that everyone has when you don't have money, you don't have any real estate is you have time. And so use your time wisely. And so instead of you going out and partying, which is something that I did for a long time, me and Katie both did that for a long time, instead of like wasting our time drinking, doing things that didn't better our lives, didn't, we weren't investing in ourselves. 
like, well, use that time to invest in yourself. Go read, go learn, go find somebody. Like, I did all these things. So I found somebody who I, I, I read all the books I could. I listened to podcasts and I found mentors, people who were doing what I was doing. And these people don't have to be like, uh, like, like super successful people. They should have to be a little bit ahead of you, right? Now, if you can find someone who's like way ahead of you and they're willing to, you know, entertain you and uh, find, if you can find ways to give value to them, great. So I would say, educate yourself and get a mentor get, or, or someone you can listen to and they can tell you the step-by-step process, whether that be like an actual physical mentor in person or whether you find someone on the internet, YouTube, whatever it may be. I always think that mentorship is the quickest way to get in from where you're at to where you want to be uh, and the shortest distance possible. That's great. So you've obviously bought some real estate. Yes, fact. Uh, how do you know what real estate to buy? That's actually a good question. Numbers, right? Real estate is just numbers. And as much as people want to think about like, oh, like it's so expensive to live here. It's my favorite thing to say like, oh, it's so expensive. Comparison to what? Right? Like, like money just, it's just numbers. It's just ones, twos, threes, fours, five, six, seven, eight, nines, and tens. That's literally all it is. And so you say, okay, well, to, to live in San Francisco, California, it's really expensive. Compared to what? Right? And if you're going to invest, it's like if you put down, again, let's just say that after everything, you have a mortgage of $2,000 in San Francisco, California. But if you know that you can command a rent of $3,000, is it expensive then? So it literally just comes on numbers. And so when, this, when, 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 the, when the question is, well, how do you know what, what real estate to invest in? Like, you got to do the numbers. So again, if you're playing the cash flow game, which is something I highly recommend, um, you just literally got to know what the market rents are. And so you can, if you know you can get X amount of dollars, let's say it's $2,500, and you know that your mortgage plus your taxes, insurance, everything all included is going to be about, you know, let's say $2,000, and there's a $500 spread in there, well, then it's not expensive. Then it's a good deal. Right, because obviously now you, now your real estate is paying you. So, yeah, when, when it comes to understanding deals, it's just it's just numbers. Like, money is just math, um, and real estate is just numbers. Numbers. Just numbers. I know, so simple. Crunch some numbers. Sorry. Um, how do you have you have you ever invested in a property that has not cash flowed? Um. No. Um, the answer is no. We have we have properties where we had to do some like some rehab stuff so maybe there was like there's temporary moments where we didn't cash flow but the numbers always have worked long term for it to cash flow um so yeah i just i wouldn't recommend it um now the only thing i would i would say is that if you're going to buy a primary residence your first house might not cash flow so i guess to answer your question the, the our, our very first house did not cash flow because we lived in it but it also gave us a position that allowed us to move to the next property and so if that situation you're in then like then that's the only that's the only time where i recommend that if you don't have any real estate you're renting then you should buy a primary house and and, and while technically it's not cash flowing, at least you're, you can build up some equity and instead of paying rent, now you're paying your mortgage down. And if you're really smart, you can buy something that has multiple units or you can rent out uh, bedrooms or garages or things like that in your house to make it uh, have less of a, of a liability or eventually, or you can just rent out enough uh, space in your house that it actually cash flows. So uh, I guess the answer to that question is on, on your primary, that would be the only, well, the only place that you might potentially deny cash flow. Are you scared of the future? What's going to happen to the real estate market? Yeah, no, I'm, I'm excited. And if you're watching this and you're leaning out of real estate, you're like, man, it's so expensive. Like I missed my opportunity. Like it's just getting started. Like now is the best opportunity to get into real estate. It's, I want to say it's not easier than ever, but it's more lucrative than ever because I, I really think there is actually a, a going to be a gap in the next three to five years that if you get into real estate now, it's going to like take, take care of you for the rest of your life. And maybe the next five years, maybe things might do change. So, um, yeah, so now is the time to get into real estate. It is the best time. Um, if it seems expensive now, just think back to where you were five years ago and everyone thought it was expensive then, right? And in the next five years, guess what people are going to think? 
expensive then too, right? It's, it's going to keep going up. So uh, yeah, get in now, 100%. Uh, obviously, the first couple of properties you bought took cash. Yep. How'd you get all that cash to put down on a down payment? Yeah. <laughs> uh, we had a business, right? And I talked about in the last video, we, you know, our businesses, they took off. You know, and plain and simple. And you know, I think we're not we're not the the one people whose businesses eventually after you know years and years and years of struggling and living like like very very poor that it probably finally hit the next level the skill set that took us to the next level for our business to drive the cash flow that we could actually now we have money uh, and instead of spending that on buying fancy cars fancy houses you know expensive trips we literally just like save that money to invest it right I think. Most people, number one, they don't even save the money. They just go and spend it. They go buy stupid stuff like cars and like like, like personal houses for yourself, which I actually don't recommend that. Um, um, buying like a stupid house for yourself, like you should buy a house, like you should with the intention that you're going to turn into investment. That's actually what I what I would recommend. Uh, but we save the money, right? We literally save the money, and then we put it we put it down on this house. And you know, the first time that that um, I think I said in the last video, I think the first house we put down sixty six thousand dollars. So the first time we saw that money go out the bank account, it was like <laughs> yeah, I was like shit, <laughs> right? Um, but that's what you got to do. You just got to have that investor mindset. And like, we're like so much in love with investing that, uh, like it was easy for us to, to save that money, to invest it and not spend it on, on dumb stuff. And honestly, like now, like, like we're to the place where, where we can start to buy some dumb stuff and we can start to like take the trips and things like that. But we spent a whole lot of long time falling in love with investing. We're still in love with investing, but now we actually do like, use the money to actually do it buy some dumb stuff and have some fun stuff at the same time. So it's not just literally about just saving money and investing your whole life. You got to have the fun stuff, but most people aren't, they're not willing to pay the price to pay anything that they want in the future. And that's something that we made the decision that we were going to pay the price today so we can pay anything we want in the future. So patience, patience, exactly. Awesome. So obviously real estate is it's, it can be complicated, right? Somebody who comes in is like, well, like the first closing we were ever at was really like kind of an eye opener is what actually goes into this process. So do you have a team who helps you find finance and rent these properties, manage them? Um, tell me a little bit about your team. Yeah, so it's always important to have a team, and when when you get in real estate, you can't do it on your own. You need you, you need to have a team, and you, and you want a team, honestly. And so the team that you like 100% need is you need a real estate agent to go out there and find the deals, talk on your behalf, negotiate on your behalf, and um, the second piece is you need a lender, and and probably not just one lender, and not just one the real estate agent. I actually recommend talking to lots of agents, have it, lots of lenders, and that way you have little op you have many options because people are busy, like, and that's especially the market right now that everyone's super busy, um, and so you need to have multiple lenders. So go like, go talk to lenders, go establish relationships, go, go talk to real estate agents, um, go establish relationships, have, have multiple people looking for deals for you. Uh, so those are like the two main ones that you need. Um, and then as far as depending on what type of real estate you're getting into, like if you are going to be doing like rehabs, construction things, then obviously you need a contractor as well. And so, um, those are probably the three people that you absolutely need is you're going to need a real estate agent, you need a lender. And then if you're going to do any like rehab type work or any like, uh, like, like, like upgrades, like, like value add stuff, you're gonna need a contractor as well. So, and then when it comes to property manager, it just depends. Like if you're doing stuff out of state, you definitely need a property manager. If you're doing stuff in person, I actually recommend you like managing it for yourself, at least for a period of time. Even if you're like, even if you de definitely know you don't want to be a property manager, you need to at least manage it for a long period of time to understand like what you're looking for. So then you can eventually give it to somebody else or know like the person you're hiring, like know that they are, are, um, are competent, right? Like if you don't know what it takes then how are you gonna know how to hire someone who's competent? And so that's why I'm a big believer of like, Go first, understand how it works, and, and then and then and then move on. Now, if you're if you're out of state, you obviously can't do that. So then you have to just like be able to trust somebody. But if you're doing it local, I recommend you definitely do it first, for sure. So those are the three people, and then the fourth person would be like a property manager. Cool, great. Build your team. Build your team, yeah. And then um, and then from there, and like sorry, just no. like and then from there, like 
if you have the right property manager, then you can find the the plumbers, you can find the handyman's, you find all the stuff that comes that kind of comes through that process. So awesome. So we've gotten we've had to get creative in everything that we were doing. So what would you recommend? How many talk about creativity? Tell me about creativity. Yeah, I mean that's kind of the cool part about about real estate is that very much is like a creative game. Like whatever you can think of, you can you like you can imagine, right? And so um, the creativity piece is, is a big component. And um, yeah, sometimes when you have no money or you have no resources, like you have get, you have to get creative. And so there's lots of ways to do real estate, whether there's no money down, whether it's like having partnerships, whether it's just um, like just all terms. And that's the cool thing about real estate; it's literally just about terms. Awesome, that's great. All questions I have for you. Awesome. All right. Well, hey, thank you for the questions. And if you guys liked it, please like, comment, subscribe, all the good stuff down below. We'll be coming back with more videos. And thank you, Katie, for, for asking the questions and for hopping on here. And honestly, for being like um, really just the, the rock and the anchor for, for, for making the ship. Just not the anchor the or the rock, actually. <laughs> be the be the, uh, the propeller and the and the fuel to keep this, this machine rocking and rolling. So appreciate you. You're welcome. All right. Shout out to you guys soon. Bye. Bye.